okay, okay, okay. Don't worry. Don't get all worried and nervous here. Don't read that title and think, wow, that's a life-changing experience. <laughs> it's not at all what is going on here in the kingdom of Bungie. Yes, I was a vegetarian for a week. <laughs> that's what's going on. My family and I, kind of on a lark, at the snap of our fingers, apparently we got nothing to do, right? You, the world's kind of shut down still here in 2021. We haven't really fully recovered from the pandemic in a sense that, you, you know, there's no events to go to. I don't spend a lot of time visiting my family. Uh, I go to work, I come home, that's pretty much it, right? There isn't a lot of other stuff going on. The hunting seasons have now finished here in Pennsylvania, for deer at least. I got spring gobbler to look forward to. I've got the search for a new crossbow to occupy my time. That has been occupying an awful lot of my time. In fact, most of my time, my free time. And my daughter's out there exercising the air gun and shooting squirrels and she has become a squirrel shooting aficionado she is really really good at it has a good eye for it far better with that air gun than i could ever hope to be if you're interested in the gear that we're using if you're interested in write-ups about the squirrel hunting all that fun stuff go to deathbybungie.com and sign up for the free email newsletter on there you will find also the podcast page you know all about the podcast because you're listening to one right now talking with Bungie. But another thing that is on deathbybungie.com is the gear page. And the Gamo Air Rifle is fully described on there. Genevieve's exploits are documented with photographs in the blog post on that website. And there's a link to the air rifle of her choice. Now, she didn't really go out there and research a whole bunch of them. She's using the air rifle I bought years ago, but she's using it with great efficiency. And if you're interested in that, you can look on that gear page. Also, I'd point out before I get too deep into this podcast that if you go to the gear page and you click on one of the links there on amazon.com, if you happen to purchase something from one of those links, I'm not trying to sell you anything. You're not going to pay any extra for it. But when you do buy something using one of those links, Death by Bungie gets a small referral fee from Amazon.com. They pay for it. The manufacturers pay for it. Somebody else pays for it, not you. And you don't pay a dime more for the product. You don't pay more for shipping. You don't pay more at all. You pay the same price, the same low Amazon.com price, and you get that product, and I get a little bit of a referral fee, and everybody wins, right? Who could beat that? It's a nice thing. I really like it. I like being an Amazon affiliate like that. And I like being able to write those little blog posts and share information with people because I get questions all the time. What this do you use? What that do you use? And all of that stuff eventually finds its way onto that gear page. I would like to buy your book, but I will not buy anything from Amazon. Is there any place else I could buy your book? I appreciate it. Thank you. Goodbye. Now that's another thing that you can see on deathbybungie.com. You can leave me a voicemail message. You can also contact me by email on there. There's a form you can fill out. But you can leave me a voicemail message, as that friend of Bungie did. And I also want to address that as long as we're talking about Amazon.com. I do like Amazon.com. I do a lot of shopping on there. 
But I totally get that other people do not either want to use Amazon.com because they're, they're not technologically savvy, perhaps. And I also understand that some people don't want to use Amazon.com because they have political beliefs or other strongly held beliefs that prohibit them from dealing with Amazon. I totally get that. I do. To answer that friend of Bungie's question, yes, back by popular demand, is the Death by Bungie Crossbow story. Confessions of a Crossbow Hunter, my book, is now available on deathbybungie.com. If you don't feel comfortable purchasing it off of amazon.com, you can buy it from me. It does cost a little bit more because I have to ship it to you. You don't get the free shipping you might get on Amazon, that sort of thing. But I'll throw some other goodies in there to make it worth your while. If you haven't purchased a copy of that book and you'd like to check it out, I would be honored to send you one. So I have a few available. You can buy an unlimited number of them on Amazon.com. But off deathbybunchy.com, you can purchase them as long as they're available. So I do want to accommodate that. A few people had contacted me, enough that it, it makes sense to me to, to offer it this way, and I do want to accommodate you guys. So here it is, deathbybunchy.com. And incidentally, I own all the domain names for Bungie, so if you spell it wrong, it'll probably still end up in the right place. So <laughs> just, just a little tidbit there, a little bit of Death by Bungie fun. So what's the deal with being a vegetarian? What is the deal with that? Why am I saying this? Why, in the midst of searching for a successor to Bungie, would I suddenly become a vegetarian? Well, my family and I, we watched a documentary, which was not at all what it purported to be. It was a documentary, and I don't even recommend that you watch it uh, particularly. It's not a particularly good documentary. documentary. I love documentaries. I really do. I am fascinated by documentary filmmaking. I hope to one day take a greater role in documentary filmmaking and actually make my own documentaries. You know, Death by Bungie is, in some ways, a documentary show on YouTube. It does document my crossbow journey, just like my book, The Death by Bungie Crossbow Story. It's a story about my crossbow journey. I have a second book in the works. Again, documenting that. So documenting things and documentary filmmaking, very important to me. The documentary watch was on Netflix. I think it was a Netflix-produced documentary, which usually they're really, really good. This one was called The Game Changers. And it's essentially about why you should be a vegetarian. It's not what it appears to be. You watch it and it's all about these athletes and I thought, oh, we need to follow these various stories of this, these athletes and see how they became great athletes or whatever. <clears throat> but essentially, it's just focusing on the careers of a handful of vegetarian athletes with the idea of promoting vegetarianism. And it shows how there's a guy that uh, was really good in MMA and he's a vegetarian and there's this bicyclist and she's a vegetarian and there's these bodybuilders that are vegetarians. And Arnold Schwarzenegger makes a brief appearance in there talking about why he really likes vegetarian-style meals. I totally get that. Okay, you know, they got all these people in there. But I can't help but think we have a handful of these vegetarian athletes who are successful. And it's just as easy to draw the conclusion that... The vast majority of successful athletes are not vegetarians. It's just as easy to draw that conclusion, which was not the intended conclusion, but it's just as easy to draw that conclusion from 
that documentary as it is to draw the conclusion that vegetarianism somehow aids in their success. So I don't know, but either way. So there isn't a lot to do in the age of the pandemic here. Like we don't have a lot to do. Apparently maybe that is a contributing factor to this. So I built this list and we went through our meals. We planned out a week's worth of meals that were vegetarian inspired. Had to look up the definition of vegetarian first to find out whether we could eat eggs or drink milk, all that sort of thing. And sure enough, we could, you know, that's veganism is a whole different ball game. Veganism is really more of a political philosophy. I think if you look into it, but the, Vegetarians, most of them, or at least there's a vegetarian, um, it's acceptable to eat eggs and all that sort of thing. And I'm not going to go a week without cheese, so we're going to be doing it that way, right? So we put it together, put together a list, we got our shopping done, we got the groceries delivered, we put together, I actually bought a wok recently, so this is like a great time to start using the wok. And uh, wok cooking... I will say, here's a little spoiler, but man, that's my favorite style of cooking now. <laughs> so we put all that together and thought on a lark, we thought it'll be fun to be vegetarians for a week. So me, my wife, and my daughter all were on a strict vegetarian diet all week long, starting last Sunday. Today is Saturday, and we have just completed it with our last vegetarian diet meal for our vegetarian week. Just finished it up with another stir fry. So we put that together and we actually had a really good week with it. And I want to talk a little bit about what it means for me for Death by Bungie, what it means for cooking and what I learned throughout this process. I think this will be something that people will find interesting. Now that I'm a grown up, you know, here I am 50 years old. Thank you very much. Um, I do all my own cooking and I do most of the cooking for the family. I enjoy that. And I like incorporating venison and wild game and squirrels and wild boar meat from our meat and greets. I love incorporating that into these meals. So Rich, come on here. You know, there's enough wrong with the world, right? That's probably what you're saying. There's enough bad stuff going on in the world. We don't need you bailing on us here, bailing on the hunters. How are you going to go for an entire week without venison and call yourself a hunter? Well, ironically, I actually started off vegetarian week with two different canning sessions where I was canning venison. <laughs> so I canned some stew meat from my 2020 buck in the form of mountain beef stew. I have fallen in love with mountain beef stew and the canned product that I've been able to put together. I did a live stream on the YouTube channel if you want to check that out sometime. Had a blast with that. I think you should check that out because it creates a delicious meal and you can put those meals together in five minutes and be, be eating the best beef stew you've ever had. All you got to do is add the seasonings when you heat it up, throw some butter in there and you're good to go. That is one thing, okay? The other thing we canned was 50, a 50-50 or 60-40 venison to wild boar mixture, which does a great job canning, and that is handy for tacos and all the other good stuff. So I'm pretty knee-deep in the venison cooking, and how am I going to cook? What kind of meals are you going to have as a vegetarian? We actually had to sit down and play around on our phones, right? I can't just go to the, to the cupboard and to the pantry and pull out a jar of perfect mountain beef stew, and heat it up in a pan and call that dinner. I have to go so far as to sort of plan these meals out and make, and you got to look at the ingredients. You know, can you eat this? Is this vegetarian, so to speak, or does this have animal byproducts in it of some sort? So we had spaghetti the one night, right? 
and cheese ravioli. It felt weird not adding canned venison to that. Usually I grab a jar of that canned ground venison and wild boar meat mixture. I heat that up in a pan first, and then I work that into our spaghetti sauce, put a jar of spaghetti sauce on that, and you have some of the best red sauce you're ever going to have for your spaghetti. And spaghetti is kind of a bland meal to me. I'm not big on spaghetti, but my family loves spaghetti. So that's the way I can tolerate spaghetti, by putting that meat in there. We had spaghetti without that. Uh, yeah, it was all right. You know, it's okay. We bought vegetarian meatballs. And that was an experience, okay? You know how when you take venison and you make meatballs out of it, if you don't add enough fat... It doesn't hold together. It makes sort of a dense ball, but it doesn't... It's not a meatball, right? It's not, it doesn't have the fat that you would get from beef, for example. So that's one of the reasons I can the wild boar meat into that, because it has a lot of fat in it. That'll make a nice meatball. The meatless meatballs that we bought to add to it, because we're vegetarians, right? So we're not using the, the venison. They weren't so great. My family didn't like them at all. In fact, my wife didn't finish hers. My daughter is required to finish what she puts on her plate, and she did, but she complained about it the whole time because she's a teenager. <laughs> and that's totally okay. I get it. I ate the meatballs. Not a problem with that. Can't say that they were as good as what you would have. I've had worse meatballs. I will say that. I've had store-bought meatballs before that aren't that good. But I have made meatballs, and my family has made meatballs that are far superior to these vegetarian meatballs. I don't know if there's any saving them. You know, you know, you also miss the meat when we had our Taco Tuesday. We have Mexican food on Tuesday nights usually. And you're having tacos without beef or without venison or without wild pork, whatever you're having without even chicken, right? You're having tacos with refried beans, vegetarian refried beans at that. That wasn't that bad. You know, you can enjoy a taco with a whole bunch of cheese and sour cream and salsa and shredded lettuce. We get bagged shredded lettuce because it's too hard to shred your own lettuce. But the shredded lettuce works out great. And all this stuff worked together for some really, really good tacos. I can tell you I would eat the Mexican food, the tacos and stuff, without meat in a pinch, and it wouldn't bother me that much. So kind of my takeaway from this, really, my theory behind vegetarian meals, vegan meals, that sort of thing, and even my theory behind other dieting methods is if you're going to eat something, go ahead and eat that. Do not try to make a version of it that fits within the confines of your diet. Because that's just stupid. <laughs> okay? Like, if you're on a diet, you just accept the fact you're not going to eat ice cream. Okay? You can eat sugar-free popsicles, perhaps. But ice cream, you're just not going to make a good ice cream that has either no calories or no carbs or anything like that. You're not going to do it. So you're, you're done with ice cream if you're on a diet. Pizza is the same thing. If you are on a no-carb diet, don't try and make a no-carb pizza with eggs as a crust. If you do, that's fine. But don't try and convince me that you really like it. Okay, I've been there. I have made those kinds of meals, and nobody really likes those. They're terrible. You know how I know that nobody likes pizza with a cauliflower crust 
or a crust made out of eggs. You know how I know no one really likes that? Because you can't buy one at a store. <laughs> if anybody really liked it, they would sell it somewhere. The reason they don't sell it is because it's awful. You are ruining pizza by doing that. So just accept the fact, if you're on a low-carb diet, that you're not going to be eating pizza. That's just That's got to be part of that diet. And I think going forward, in a vegetarian scheme of things, don't pretend you're eating meatballs. Don't try and sell me that as a meatball. Instead, show me how to make the world's greatest spaghetti that doesn't have meat in it. That'd be better. And don't give me those meatballs, right? It kind of ruins the whole thing. The wok was another great addition. Now, I did buy a wok. I bought a cast iron wok. It has a flat bottom on it, which isn't necessarily the ideal wok, but we have an electric stove, so I have to have a flat bottom. Not a problem. Actually works fantastic. I have never been... I had a wok before that was a, that was a non-stick wok, but you cannot properly cook with such a wok because you need those high temperatures. I turned this thing on blazing. It is on high. It's so high on the burner that it doesn't even have a number. <laughs> okay, it's number nine, then there's high, so it's really 10. So I've got this thing on really high, put the oils in there, right? I put in a little bit of vegetable oil or a canola oil, and then I add the vegetables and I stir them all up right, and they are steaming, they're hot, they're scalding the whole bit, and then I'm putting the rice in there, the sauces, some soy sauce, some salt and pepper. Um, when I made it for myself, I would throw in some dried jalapenos. Boy, is that the best. And then I push it all to the side, let it stay nice and hot in the wok, and then I crack a couple of eggs in there, and I chop those eggs up and scramble them right there in the oil, right there in the wok, and then I work them into the rest of the vegetables, and it creates this great, you cannot believe how good this was. It was so fantastic, and I can't wait to do stir fries going forward next week. Next week, doing venison stir fry, right? Doing like either the broccoli beef type recipe that you might see at a Chinese food restaurant, but I'll do that with cubed venison, right? That'll be pretty good. I think that will turn out really, really nice. So I did learn a couple of things. That theory I just explained to you about don't waste your time, don't waste my time trying to make a food that fits within the confines of any diet, vegetarian or otherwise. I also learned about how much I love the wok. I learned about reading labels because some things you think you're a vegetarian, you look at the label and it's got beef extract or chicken liver or chicken fat or something in a dehydrated beef fat in the recipe. Well, that's not vegetarian. Similarly, if you are counting carbs, if you're on a no flour, no sugar diet, or if you're just counting calories, reading the labels. Very important. Labels on everything. Really got it made food-wise. You can't beat the information they've given us. It's just putting it into practice. Pretty cool. One other big thing that I learned, another big observation is sanitation. We have a thing in our house called germus interruptus. <laughs> That's something my wife made up and we joke about. When I'm doing canning, I wash my hands routinely throughout that process because you're removing bacteria from your hands, germs from your hands each time. The more often you do that, the more likely you are to interrupt those germs, to get them off your hands. That is germus interruptus. That's a good practice to be in. Constantly cleaning your hands, constantly using clean utensils, that sort of thing. Anytime I'm cooking, I do that. And when I'm canning, especially, I do that. So that's a, a good process, a good practice to have. 
with vegetarian cooking, you kind of don't have to do that. Think about this. When I'm cooking with meat, you got to make sure you reach a certain temperature or you might get leprosy. Okay, it's not called leprosy. But there's any number of things you can get from meat if it's not properly cooked. It's such a serious thing that they put it on restaurant menus. It actually says it right there. Undercooked meats and eggs and fish can be bad for you and they might give you all these diseases, right? We've all heard about that. We've heard about trichinosis. We've heard about other things that, uh, you know, botulism, all these other things that can be a problem with food preservation, food storage, but are particularly a big deal with meat. E. coli, a big deal. Kids can die of that stuff. Humans, any human can die of it, and you're exposed to it quite regularly, but you get too much of that, you can actually die from E. coli exposure. That's a problem. Parasites, all that sort of thing. These are things that we as people who eat meat, we as carnivores or semi-carnivores, omnivores, what have you, we can be exposed to that and we have to take great care when cooking to make sure that we are cleaning everything up. And if you use a fork to cut up the meat or whatever, to stir something, you don't use that fork again to, to take the meat out of the pan. You use a fresh fork to take the meat out of the pan or a fresh spatula to take the meat out of the pan after it's cooked, not the one that touched it when it was raw. These are things you've got to constantly have in your mind, cleaning the kitchen areas, the surface areas, the pans, the utensils, your hands. When you're cooking a vegetarian style meal, it occurred to me, and this was kind of an, the only eye opener. This is only the real big eye opener of the entire experience. You don't have to worry about that. Broccoli is not going to give me E. coli, pretty much. If I undercook that broccoli, it's just a little crunchy. And heck, it's really good when it's a little crunchy. <laughs> If you overcook it and it's soggy and it soaked up too much of the oil, too much of the salt and pepper and spices that you added, huh, it's really good that way. You really can't beat it. I mean, it's not something that you have to think about. The minute I added the eggs to the wok, all of a sudden now I have to be concerned about temperature and making sure the eggs are cooked enough and making sure I don't use the spatula that I stirred up the eggs with when they were raw with the rest of the vegetables. You got to think about that kind of stuff, right? You got to wash your hands after you handle the eggshells because you've got eggs on your hands. I don't want salmonella in my wok. I want just regular stuff in my wok, right? Healthy stuff. That was quite an eye-opener for me. The minute I added the eggs, the minute I would add beef or fish to my wok, all of a sudden, now i got to worry about that stuff. Stuff that I didn't have to worry about when I'm just cooking the vegetables. Kind of an interesting thing. Now, I don't know what that means. That doesn't mean I'm going to stop eating meat. But that was an interesting thing that I will have to think about and see how that fits in with the rest of my life. But I thought that was a neat observation. I hope you found it to be interesting as well. So, really what it comes down to, um, I, I, you know, I, I'm going to confess something here outside the confines of my book, Confessions of a Crossbow Hunter. That's the subtitle of the Death by Bungie Crossbow story. One of the confessions I can make for this podcast is that I don't know if you knew it or not, and please don't spread this around, but I have always had a little bit of a weight problem. <laughs> I have totally come to terms with that over my lifetime, so it doesn't bother me in any way. But I am turning 50 years old. I do have some hunting 
left in me. I do have some trips that I want to take both alone and with my daughter Genevieve. I want to be able to accompany her. I don't want to have to have her help me up and down the hills either. I want her to experience the woods on her own and I want her to have her own fun in the woods and not sit there babysitting her old man as he gets old. So I got to maintain my weight, keep my weight down to some extent. I got to walk regularly to keep my muscles up and I have enough as you get older, enough other challenges to face that I don't need weight to be an additional one of them. So I have always worked over the last several years. I've been working to keep my weight down from where it was, you know, 10 years ago. But it has been an issue my entire life. I have been on probably every diet. And in fact, I am, I've joked over and over with people. I always tell people I've lost over a thousand pounds in my life. How's that? It's like a world record. The only problem is I've gained like 1,250 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> over the course of my life. So basically, I'm always losing weight and gaining weight. I have been on the Atkins diet and lost well over 100 pounds at one point. I went from 335 pounds down to 186 pounds on the Atkins diet. Can you believe that? I have been on the no flour, no sugar diet from Dr. Gott. I think that's probably the, the greatest of all diets, the easiest of all diets, the healthiest of all these diets. I've been on a uh, calorie-restricted diet and lost about 110 pounds once. That was back in my early 20s. Back when I was a real young kid, when I was a teenager, I was probably 16 years old, I simply stopped eating sugar. I was into weightlifting, all this other stuff, and I stopped eating sugar. Didn't eat sugar. If I had sugar or any derivative of sugar, corn syrup, any of that stuff on the label, I didn't eat it. I went from 235 pounds down to about 165 pounds. And the entire time that I wasn't eating sugar, I stayed at 165 pounds. It wasn't until I started eating sugar again that I gradually got my weight back up. Overall, I think because of these experiences, my best approach diet-wise is not a vegetarian one. It's not an Atkins diet where you lack fiber, you don't have enough of the healthy vegetables. It's not a keto diet, which just wishes it was the Atkins diet. <laughs> it's none of those, really. A no flour, no sugar diet. If you avoid processed foods, if you stick to more healthy whole foods and follow that no flour, no sugar regimen, if it's got flour in it, you don't eat it. You don't eat bread. You don't eat flour tortillas. If it has sugar in it, or corn syrup, any of those things, you don't eat it. If it's got Splenda in it, that's fine. But if you stick to a diet like that, and you do eat meat, you do eat your venison, you do eat your wild boar, your fish, your wild turkeys, all that good stuff. If you eat that style of a diet and cut out the flour, cut out the sugar and all their derivatives, you essentially are increasing the amount of fiber that you take in. You're increasing the amount of protein that you take in. You are increasing, and this is kind of a big one, you're increasing complex carbohydrates. Not the carbohydrates in the flour and the sugar, because those are gone. Those simple sugars, all that's gone. You're increasing complex carbohydrates, which don't get into your blood sugar quite as quickly, which don't break down as easily, which slow down that process. They don't give you the blood sugar spikes. Instead, you get the complex carbohydrate, the fiber that gives you a fuller feeling. So you, in the end, you don't even eat as much. 
you can still have your venison, and if you eat venison and wild game, you're reducing amounts of unhealthy fat in your diet that might be present in beef and pork. You're reducing hormones that the cows and pigs have ingested. You're in reducing the antibiotics that the cows are on and steroids that the cows are on and all these other things. I haven't eaten beef other than out, you know, McDonald's hamburgers and stuff, which I eat enough of that. I, that's, that's bad enough. I could cut that out and probably make some great gains. But that is a bad kind of meat, right? That's not natural meat. That's really a high-fat meat. It tastes great. But venison, I really like cooking with venison. So fear not, friends of Bungie. Me being a vegetarian for a week, my family and I just experimenting with this, having a great time with it. It's just another one of those diets we, that I've been on. And I think it was another fun memory my family and I would have. I survived it. That's a good thing. <laughs> Tell me what you think about that. Get on deathbybungie.com. Go to the contact form. Send me a, an email off of that if you wish, or leave me a voicemail. Leave me a voice message off the website if you want to do that. Send me a Facebook message, what have you. But in any event, thank you for listening to this rambling documentary of its own, I guess. A documentary about the impact of a documentary on us. And until next time, all hail Bungie and all hail Venison. <laughs>